Welcome to Product Voices, a podcast where we share valuable insights and useful resources to help us all be great in product management. Visit the show's website to access the resources discussed on the show, find more information on our fabulous guests, or to submit your product management question to be answered on our special Q&A episodes. That's all at productvoices.com. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. Now, here's our host, J.J. Rory, CEO of Great Product Management. Hello, and welcome to Product Voices. What is the future of work? I have a very special guest with me today to explore these possibilities. Susan Liao is a champion of inclusive leadership and product on a mission to make the future of work, the future of leadership, and the future of foundership accessible to all by advancing full representation of women, women of color, and LGBTQ plus people of color as startup leaders. She's an experienced equity-centered coach, facilitator, and founder of Startups for All, a trusted community of purpose-driven founders, knowledge workers, and social entrepreneurs from unrepresented populations. Susan holds a BSc in computer science from Princeton University and resides in Portland, Oregon. Susan, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, JJ, for having me. I really appreciate having you uh, hold space for this conversation today. Yeah, it's, it's really going to be a great conversation and I'm looking forward to it. So what does the future of work look like to you? That is an awesome question. <laughs> uh, when I think about the future of work, I think about vision. And thinking about, you know, there are two actually questions that come to mind, which is what might be if nothing changes versus what might be if there is change. And I actually uh, pose this question to my community of founders. And the future of work, to me, is uh, a time, a world where we see um, everyone rising together and thriving together is what I like to say. So where there's a world where we all have opportunity um, for economic growth, (laughs) for advancement, uh, where our work and life coexist in harmony. Wow, that is quite the goal and and one that should absolutely happen. Um, How are we going to get there? Yeah, I I don't know, <laughs> to, to be honest. Um, I, I like to say, you know, small action for big change, just in general, kind of that's my perspective on life. Um, have, have big vision, but in terms of the destination, I know the destination may change, but it's really about um, kind of what can I do today? What do I have control over today? What are the decisions I make? that will help me at least move in the right direction. So for me, that starts with just mindset (laughs) and belief and empowerment. And just, again, kind of believing that there there is an alternative future in contrast to just being accepting of status quo. Yeah. Let's talk about that for for a second. I don't don't want to gloss over the fact that the future needs to look differently than what it does today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you and I have our perspective of the world and depending on, on where you're coming from um, and, and, you know, who you are and, and what your perspective is, you may be closer to this than others. And I, I feel like you and I both are, but there are people out there listening who 
are perfectly fine <laughs> with the way the world is today. Um, it was made for them um, in many in many cases and in many ways, um, or at least, and, and e- even myself, I, I certainly um, am privileged in certain ways and and have have some. Um, you know, the, the current, <laughs> the current state of the world, um, benefits me in some ways. And so there's no question that there's lots of people out there who don't necessarily understand why things need to look dr- dramatically different than, than they, the way they do today. Um, yeah. so let's talk about that. Um, What's your perspective? Why does the future of work need to look different than what the current norms are and the current way that we do things? Yeah, uh, well, I think another an, another lens that comes to mind is how could it be better? So not mm-hmm. necessarily that we have to um, change what's not broken uh, or fix what's not broken, but that how can we improve? How can we do better? Yeah. And just for context for the listeners, I mean, my the history of my own origin story. You know, I'm I identify as well. I'm a Taiwanese American, so my parents immigrated. To the U.S. from from Taiwan, um, I was born here in the U.S., but I grew up in an environment where there were multiple languages spoken. Um, also, English was not my parents' first language, so uh, when I was young, going to school and I needed a doctor's note or that sort of thing, they actually had me write the notes myself in English, uh, and then they would just sign it, you know. And so, uh, and then when I went to college, I also had to pave my own way in terms of figuring out financial aid and that sort of thing. Um, So my perspective around is, I think, influenced just by my own challenges growing up as um, a a child of immigrants. I call myself second generation. Some people call it first generation, but just uh, having to assimilate um, to a different culture. And then, you know, I think those themes have carried on through my own experience in college and also in work. You know, my perspective is thinking about what are the struggles that I I experienced? And I believe there are other people that maybe have experienced similar struggles. And, you know, these days I think about what is the difference that I can make in the world to help um, other people like me? Um, Because now I do feel like I am in a position of privilege where I have access to networks to connections, to resources that might be helpful for people that don't have that access. So thank you for, for sharing that, that context. And I think, you know, we are all influenced by, you know, where we come from and, and how we grow up and, and, you know, who we are as people. And sometimes those influences fit nicely with the world uh, and the way the world has been structured. And sometimes they don't. Um, and sometimes we have, you know, parts of ourselves that fit nicely and parts of ourselves that don't so much. So let's talk a little bit about what, you know, what the future looks like and like what are some of the tangible ways that the future of work and, and kind of the future of, of life, if you will, is, is going to look different if we commit to that we need to make it better for everyone. Right. And, and we know there will be some some steps taken. What is it? What does that end goal look like? Do you have some perspective on that yet? Yeah, I well, in one small action for me is looking at language and inclusion, um, and kind of the mindset around uh, what are you know words? How do we establish shared context to build connection? 
and, and how do we structure our invitations such that when we, whether we're product folks or we're, we're builders, we're engineers or we're designers, whatever our role, if, when we're creating something for other people, that the other people, so to speak, have a voice in what we're creating. Um, and so practically, tactically, what that might look like, um, you know, if you're doing customer discovery or you're doing a design session, that you're structuring an invitation um, to those that will be or may be impacted by the product that you're creating to be part of the ideation, or at least to have their voices heard. Um, and so even um, I sometimes even doing co-creation. So I just held a brainstorm session around uh, kind of defining the theme for an on-conference that I'm holding later this year. And I could have just kind of invited a few of my close friends, tossed around a couple ideas, but instead what I did was extend the invite to various people in kind of the different communities that I'm part of. Um, and it does take time to do a lot of this kind of individual macro outreach, but it is important to me that they have the opportunity um, to take part in the brainstorm session. I think that's a really good example of bringing multiple perspectives into the fold. And I think that's so important. I, I think in product management, we talk about that all the time. Like, who are we building it for? What problem are we solving? Mm -hmm. Do we have their, do we have their input? But it takes on even more of an importance when the people building the product don't live in the same perspective as the people they're building the products for. And, and that happens so often. And what, and, you know, we've got lots of examples of products and services and campaigns and that sort of thing kind of really missing the mark because they didn't have the right people in the room. Um, and so I think, I think your, your point is really important that whether it's teams having, you know, a diverse uh, group of folks building the products um, mm -hmm. and or having the diverse world that we're trying to build products for involved from the beginning. So I think both of those are really important. And, I, and I'm hoping, I mean, let, let's be honest, we still have a diversity problem in product management and in product development, right? And so I, I'm hoping that organizations still embrace and, and continue to um, try to to bring different perspectives and bring different people into the room when they're building products in the first place. Cause I think that's an important step in obtaining this future of work that we're talking about. Yes, for sure. And especially for founders. I mean, there's so much um, with, with COVID at least in the last year or so, I think there's been a, a huge growth in entre entrepreneurship and folks um, being, uh, you know, a little disgruntled with their their day job and figuring, you know, where perhaps their their full talent or their superpowers aren't being completely tapped or kind of utilized to their full ability. And so, you know, we have passions for other to drive purpose in other areas, whether that's around improving, um, doing good to the earth, <laughs> um, you know, improving opportunities for all or kind of around. And I'm just kind of throwing out some impact areas based on um that other founders in the Starts for All kind of ecosystem are working on. But whatever kind of the social change that they're looking to make when they're developing their MVP or, say, doing outreach to do some initial customer interviewing, I like to ask, well, think about your first 100 customers. What might they look like? And 
are you satisfied if if they all represent a certain persona or a certain um, demographic? You know, is that in alignment with your values and kind of your mission for your organization? I mean, I've been in this position too, right? When you're you know as a founder, kind of being scrappy, you're getting some initial feedback, say on a survey or even your first like prototype. You might just again reach out to the people that you know. But the people that you know <laughs> aren't necessarily the, the folks that you want to reach with your product. And I also like to use um, meal food analogies, much more so than sports analogies. And I like to say, it's also, um, say you are running a food truck and you have a new uh, recipe that you want to experiment with. And, you know, taste is, is subjective to a certain extent. Uh, point. And it might be easier to like cook for your family first and see what you think. Uh, but your family might not be the, the folks that really represent the population the, of the community around you. For example, um, my sister actually um, is, a, is a classically trained chef. So she's a little nice. more, uh, yeah, kind of critical around certain things. And you think she'd be a great kind of assessor of my own cooking ability. Um but we each have our own biases. So when I make dumplings, like a veggie version of dumplings, and I substitute, you know, tofu instead of meat, it definitely goes against kind of her own like core values of like, you know, using the real, real stuff. Um, but, you know, if my audience is a vegan or a vegetarian audience, uh, you know, the criteria might be much different. Yeah. Absolutely. So I want to, I want to talk about something. You and I had a conversation recently and you, you, you used this, this term and brought this up and, and I've just been fascinated at, uh, about it ever since. Um, so you told me that the future of work includes holding space for unimagined possibilities. I, I just love that holding space for unimagined possibilities. Tell me what that means to you. Yeah, I, this, this phrase um, came was kind of came together through actually a few different um, brainstorm and kind of exploration sessions with folks in my future of work um, circle. And for me, holding space first, just as a term, as a phrase, is something that has been relatively new to me. Like um, you know, five years ago, if you asked me what's holding space, I would kind of look at you and great confusion <laughs> and be like, I, I don't know. Is that just like holding nothing? Is it holding air? Uh, in the virtual world, I think it's even more um, maybe relevant now where holding space is just saying in your day for me, that means just allocating time and thought and energy to just to be present. And then, you know, unimagined possibilities for me is about uh, you know, another phrase kind of frame could be kind of the never been done before, like things that it's not even about what's possible. It's the things that you don't know that could be possible. Um, and, you know, how do you know what you don't know? It's kind of like the chicken and the egg thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think that comes through kind of connecting with people who are different from you and starting to learn about different experiences and when you kind of bring that all together, holding space for unimagined possibilities is about gathering an invitation um, to bring together people from different communities who maybe are meeting for the very first time. And in that space, in that the conversations that ensue, 
it's really fostering a sense of uh, welcoming and kind of um, gravitation towards surfacing what's different among all of us. And what are those different perspectives that together actually collectively might actually lead to something completely new that hasn't been imagined by anyone in that room. Yeah, that's amazing. So it seems like part of this future of work, or at least an underlying of this this future vision is for all of us to to get out of our comfort zone and to get out there and and meet different people and see different perspectives and and embrace some of those um, you know different possibilities and different collaborations. Would you agree with that? Yeah, uh, for sure. It's it's building upon other people's ideas. It's about asking, what are we curious about? And these are all prompts or questions um, that have come out of the kind of the, the exploration kind of brainstorming sessions I've had with my colleagues, you know, celebrating um, kind of discovery and thinking about power for all and power. What, what does it mean to have the power of everyone, harnessing the power from everyone. Uh, there's just so many questions. And I think that um, so many questions, I think that help inspire kind of um, hope and joy uh, in that core belief, again, that things can be better than they are today. Yeah. What do you think we can do to prepare for and drive that future of work. Um, and you know, it's going to be maybe different for different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what do you think some of the things that, that we all collectively, and then maybe we individually can do to, to start the the ball rolling and then to be prepared to successfully navigate that future? Yeah. I, that kind of how to be prepared or how to move forward. I think it goes back to what you were saying, JJ, about being kind of comfortable with being a little uncomfortable, (laughs) being comfortable with um, having conversations that might be a little bit awkward, (laughs) that where there's language or words that people are sharing with you that don't quite sit right. Sometimes I like to use the word prickly, like it feels a little, Mm -hmm. you don't know, it's not necessarily good or bad. You just know it's kind of like, it doesn't, you know, if you're running your hands over the surface, <laughs> you know, something um, of a, a prickly plant or something like that, it's like, it's not quite comfortable, but you're still curious about what might, what it is. Yeah. So I think being comfortable with being uncomfortable is huge. And then, yeah, start to interrogate everything <laughs> around us in a way that might be confrontational, but still it's necessary uh, because we do want to know, we want to be curious about what we don't know. Um, so celebrating courage, <laughs> I think having just holding those values in mind and being okay with not, um, yeah, being outside of your comfort zone. If you were to advise someone or suggest to someone some resources that can be used as they're trying to learn, mm-hmm. you know, more about how to navigate this and how to prepare themselves and how to, you know, get, um, get comfortable with being uncomfortable and all of these things. Are there some, some resources? I know you, you yourself have created some resources that we will share, but are there some others and other resources and assets that you've found that have helped you as you've been learning about this? Yeah. Well, even just in terms of 
you know, if anyone listening is in a position where you're leading a team or you're hosting a group or you're um, holding space, like you're hosting, you know, a potluck <laughs> even. I mean, one of the books that I absolutely love around gathering and just thinking about the people, you know, structuring invitations, that sort of thing is The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker. You know, if you Google her name, um, you know, she's done a couple of TED Talks. I, I love um, all of her insights that she shares also on Instagram as well. So Priya Parker's Art of Gathering. There's also a book called Power for All um, that just recently came out. Um, it's research-based and gives you a good grasp of just what is power when you think about power and what does it mean to start letting go of power. Perfect. And we will link to those to those books and those resources on productvoices.com so that anyone who's interested can can check those out. Susan Liao, thank you so much for joining me and, and having this conversation. It's such an important conversation. And I think we're all, you know, we're all learning, we're all navigating. Nobody really knows what's what's going to happen in the future. But I, I certainly hope that that your vision um, comes to fruition and that we can all, you know, um, you know, succeed together. Um, and, and the world looks a little bit uh, better um, than, than maybe it does today. And, and that includes better for everyone. So I think that's a wonderful thing. So Susan, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, JJ, for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you all for joining us on Product Voices. Hope to see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Product Voices, hosted by J.J. Rory. To find more information on our guests, resources discussed during the episode, or to submit a question for our Q&A episodes, visit the show's website, productvoices.com, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. 